Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Dream Bigger podcast. I'm your host, Sif, and I'm the founder of Icing Glitter, which is a blog, YouTube channel, and Instagram page. Today's episode is for my fellow skincare junkies. I'm chatting with Dr. Loretta, who is a dermatologist and one of the top educators on the effect of light on skin. In fact, she was working with the team that first studied the effects of UVA rays on skin back in the 80s, which I think is super cool. Since then, she's been on a mission to educate the world on the latest research on skincare and has developed a line of products which fight the different causes of aging. She's a wealth of knowledge, and I learned a few things that had me completely shook. Before we dive into the episode, let's discuss babies, more specifically food babies. You know, that annoying, uncomfortable, and unwanted bump that shows up after you eat a salad with Brussels sprouts or pizza on a night out? Okay, well, I have a solution for you, and most importantly, it's all natural. It's Array's Bloat Alchemy Capsules, which are made with six natural ingredients that work together to fight every possible cause behind bloat. It has a digestive enzyme in it, but it's more than that, which means that no matter what the reason is for your bloating, it'll go away if you have this. I take between two to four depending on how bloated I am. Use the code DREAMBIGGER for 10% at checkout. And now let's get to my conversation with Dr. Loretta. All right, so Dr. Loretta, to start, why don't you tell us a bit about your background? How did you become interested in the world of skincare? Sure. So believe it or not, which I can't believe myself, I entered medical school way back in 1974. And at the end of my first year, I applied for a research grant to go to work in Boston at uh, Harvard in the dermatology department. And I was very lucky because actually I wasn't even that sure if I was interested enough in dermatology, but the person whose lab I worked in was starting a field called photobiology. And research-wise, that was fascinating to me, the effect of light on the skin. So I arrived there in, uh, I guess it was June of 1975, and my very first project, the, the first morning, he gave me a little box and said, I want you to take that this out to the lawn, and it's going to register something that I had never heard of. Mm-hmm. It's going to register how much of this thing called ultraviolet A reaches the surface of the earth. In 1975, we did not know how much ultraviolet A actually came down to earth. So I came back and we saw there was a very small amount. And then he said, now you're going to be performing testing 
on human volunteers to see if UVA actually has any effect at all on human skin. And this was very fascinating. I was really one of the very first people ever to test the effects of the sun's UVA on human skin. And one wow. of the first people in the first group that we tested, unfortunately, we had to admit someone to the burn unit of Massachusetts General Hospital because what we did was we gave them a pill to sensitize them to UVA. We didn't know if UVA would really have any effect. And so we said, well, we really can't be spending days with the same person continuously under the sun. We gave them a pill to sensitize them. We put them under the sun, and the woman got terrible burns. Like literally so, just yes. from being under the sun? Yes. With, well, with a pill yeah, right, that right. was sensitizing her, yes. So that really opened up the whole field of studying the effects of UVA. So in the 1970s, there was no sunscreen that would protect you from UVA. In fact, it wasn't until the mid-'80s that we had good UVA sunscreens. I went back up there and did, up to Harvard, and did a fourth-year research project. That was more encompassing on how what we put on our skin actually penetrates into our skin and about certain ingredients that would be more problematic, irritating, and photosensitizing. So really, my, my background goes back to what's now 45 years. So, uh, you know, I then became a practicing dermatologist, and uh, really was very happy with that. I uh, moved from New York City where I had done my residency to Miami because my husband took a fellowship at University of Miami in cardiac surgery. So when I got to Miami, I realized that there was sort of a void in terms of teaching, that there was a brand new field that was opening up. This was in 1983. And the field, which was very unrecognized, was cosmetic dermatology. And so I approached the chairman at University of Miami and started the first cosmetic dermatology program, really not just there, but I think it was definitely one of the first in the country. So I really am sort of a little bit of a pioneer in cosmetic dermatology as uh, the new field of doctors dispensing this new skin type, which a new skin care type, which was cosmeceuticals. As that came to the uh, forefront, I got very involved and have actually been formulating skincare products to be used in doctor's offices, including peels and pre and post procedure products since 1993. Wow. And then I decided several years ago that it would be very good to develop my own brand. But to do that and to remain as a practicing dermatologist, which to this day, I do see patients just two days a week. So I really needed a team to come out with a brand, and I wanted to have a real point of distinction. To put together my team, two of my four adult children joined me. So I'm, yeah, so I'm very, very fortunate to have my oldest daughter who left her position as a Wall Street lawyer, and she's just wonderful at running our overall business, and my youngest daughter who left her position working in art galleries in New York. And so we now are all in Miami, and uh, we uh, really launched the Dr. Loretta brand just two years ago this month, the end of February 2018. Very cool. Yeah. So, wow, I mean, your your background is essentially like, like 
sun rays and like what it does for your skin. So I guess like I'll ask you for the person, like just a common person, what is the difference between UVA rays and UVB rays and what do they do for the skin? Okay. So I'm going to answer that question. I'm going to even throw in a third term called HEV. So what we have said, the, the standard answer to your question is UVB burns the skin. UVA ages the skin and UVB does not penetrate as deep down into the skin as A. So we believe that UVB and sunburns are even associated not just with you know the, the discomfort of getting a sunburn, getting red, maybe getting blistered, getting all sorts of marks from the sun if you don't apply your sunscreen right, but it also is probably the reason why we get some of the more superficial kinds of skin cancers, like especially the squamous cell carcinomas. UVA, which penetrates a little bit deeper, would be responsible for a lot of unwanted uh, kinds of aging changes, much more the wrinkling because the UVA is penetrating more into the living cell, so it destroys our collagen. So UVA gives us more wrinkling. It's definitely associated with pigment so that things like age spots and then the melasma, which is sometimes called the mask of pregnancy associated with the oral contraceptive pill, that's attributable to UVA. And unfortunately, we think that the worst kind of skin cancer, the melanoma, has a lot to do with UVA exposure. Now, what has been really in the forefront of a lot of the dermatology research in doctors who, who study this, this uh, photobiology field is something called HEV. So that stands for high energy visible light. So ultraviolet's invisible. And so in the, in the spectrum of light, ultraviolet A ends at what's a measurement called 400 nanometers. At 401 nanometers, meaning you know a nanometer less, almost the same light itself starts to be visible light. And you know that might sound like sort of just this vague conceptual thing, but we all know what HEV light is, and that's because when you look at the sky and you see that the sky is blue, the HEV is also called blue light. So the sky is blue because the sun actually emits more of this blue light HEV than it does UVA and UVB combined. And our computer screens, our cell phones, all digital sources, they're illuminated with this blue light. So th this is like H H E. It's yes. HEV. Yes. So whatever's coming out of my screens, it's HEV. Yes. That and is wild. Okay. Yes. And there was a very nice study published in the dermatology literature a while back where they decided to do almost something parallel to what I did in 1975. They said, let's see if HEV really has any bad effect, if it can really damage the skin. So what they decided to do is they said, okay, we know that UVA is really what is attributed to hyperpigmentation. Also, you can get redness, swelling, a lot of the undesirable changes in the skin. So with human volunteers, they took a light source, and what they did was that they just exposed them to the same amount of UVA that you would get if you had, if you were under the sun, 10, 20, or 30 minutes. Then they took another little light, just little spotlights of light that was the blue light. 
And they said, now let's just take the dose of blue light that you would get on the skin if you sat under the sun 10, 20, and 30 minutes. And the very remarkable results were that the blue light, or HEV, caused many more profound changes than the UVA. Stop. It caused more redness, swelling, and pigment, both immediately and to up to two weeks later, you still saw the spots that were uh, irradiated or exposed to the blue light still had the hyperpigmentation and redness, whereas the UVA had all faded away, the damage. So I'm really trying to alert everyone to the fact that we have to protect ourselves from digital light. Now, interestingly, they used all different Fitzpatrick skin types. So there's a, a skin type classification. The Fitzpatrick one is someone who always gets a sunburn and never tans at all. Those people really don't have a sensitivity even to UVA. They're not able to tan. So those people are not that sensitive to the computer screen or the HEV. But people who have the Fitzpatrick skin type 3, 4, 5, in other words, if you have the ability to tan, you are going to be very sensitive to the HEV, probably even more so than to UVA. Oh, Oh my God. Yes. Oh my, like, I'm sorry. My world has just shifted, I feel. Yes. This is crazy. Yes. And it's really important. I have to tell you that a few months back, I lectured to, in, to an audience of 550 people. Almost exclusively, there were cosmetic chemists. And the FDA was there from the Division of Non-Prescription Drugs and um, you know the Sunscreen Division and all of that. And uh, pretty much... By the end of this two-day conference, everyone said, oh, yes, every sunscreen has to be protecting from HEV. The problem is that the industry is so far behind. And I think that, you know, this is problematic. And, you know, I'm really not here during this podcast to be promoting my own products. But, yes, we did come out with a sunscreen that protects from HEV. Uh, there is a brand called Supergoop that does that. Yes, I love them. Yeah. Yes, and um, also I, I'm pretty sure that it's Clarins. One of the cosmetics brands, I think it's Clarins, does it. Um, you can check. They have a high price point. It's it's hundred ten dollars. So I think that that's sort of a super high price point for sunscreen. Ours is fifty dollars. Supergoop is also always very reasonably priced. But I do think that your listeners should really pay very close attention. Now, what I feel as a clinician, right? In other words, I still am seeing patients. For the last 41 years, I've been seeing patients. When I go back even to just 20 years ago, I can tell you that when a 30-year-old would come in, it would be very, very unusual to see crow's feet or really many signs of aging at all. Now we're seeing even women in their 20s who really are starting to have crow's feet. And these women are really, uh, they have available to them good sunscreens. Uh, women, I think now, because there is a real motivation for anti-aging, women are using sunscreen when they're out under the sun. And I, as a dermatologist, believe that we need to get the word out there that we need to use light protection indoors as well as outdoors. 
it's uh, been really sort of like assessed that the average person in North America is spending about an average of six hours a day in front of a digital screen. If not more. Like, I feel like more even, like, I mean, I'm always in front of my computer or I have my phone right in my face. Yes, and I think the younger age group, and I think this is why we're seeing the onset of lines of, of, you know, even we're getting in, I'm getting in patients in the late 20 with age spots. Oh my God. So wait, your, so your product protects against this, yes, this so light. The new sunscreen we have, mm-hmm. you're going to see that it says UVA, UVB, and HEV. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this is like a game changer. Mm-hmm. That's wild. So like, do, do you recommend people use it in the evening as well? Like basically anytime yes. they're. So a couple of things that I will say to you is yeah. by law in the United States where we manufacture this, the FDA, the US FDA, uh, actually requires us by law to say reapply it every two hours. Uh, I don't feel that that's necessary, but by law we have to put that on. If you're sitting in front of your computer screen, you're really going to uh, be getting an ample protection because this the ingredient we use, which is Indian ginseng, which was really uh, made to protect from HEV and not necessarily just in sunscreens. So we have, for instance, another ingredient that we're using that's an HEV protector around the eyes, and we don't say reapply it every two hours because it's not uh, required by law because it's not a sunscreen, right? Right. So I think that just put it on every morning. Now, when you get to the every night part, you don't necessarily, meaning bedtime, you don't necessarily need to be putting it on because you should have your screen turned off totally. for many reasons, even your circadian rhythm. You know, we really should not be having our cell phones lit up at night by our bedstand. We should be putting it away and, and all of that kind of thing. Oh my gosh, this is, I mean, I'm just like, I need a second to process all this information. Like, this is insane. Like, I had no idea. And I mean, you're right, because I, I, I mean, I feel like me, my friends, we're pretty rigorous about the sunscreen we put on when we go outside. But now most people don't even know that this is a thing. Like, I didn't know. And I'm a pretty, I would say I'm a pretty informed consumer when it comes to skin. So... That is crazy. I will be slathering this sunscreen on my face like all the time. Good, good, good. (laughs) I don't want to age from my computer. That's just a sad way to age. (laughs) Yes. And I do actually have to say to you that the man whose lab I worked in way back in 1975, really we can thank for even having the understanding of UVA, Uh, I remember that once a week I would go to a clinic with him, and the clinic was for people with hyperpigmentation. And he was such an insightful person that the first patient I saw with him, he said, you know, ma'am, by the way, I'm going to give you some prescription stuff. He said, but if you don't wear camouflage makeup every day, I can't be your doctor. And of course, I was like 21 years old at the time, and I had to leave the room. I actually started to laugh a little bit. And I knew that this doctor had been in the Vietnam War and this idea of camouflage makeup. So I gathered my thoughts. The patient left, and I came back in. And this wonderful, his name was Dr. John Parrish. He's still alive. But um, he said to me, you know, Loretta, I am just convinced that visible light causes a lot of pigmentation. And so you can buy camouflage makeup 
and that is just going to so cover you up that it'll protect you from oh this life. So way back in <laughs> 1975, he already had that idea. And um, I think that things like your podcast are so important to get the word out there to people. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, the sunscreen is definitely a better option than the camouflage yes, makeup, I, I will agree. say. <laughs> I agree. A lot more cosmetically elegant, and it feels a lot better on the skin. Yeah, totally. Okay, so if someone is suffering from hyperpigmentation, what can they do to correct that? Okay, the first thing that I want to say is you really do have to think a little bit about could there be something going on internally? In mm. other words... If you have hyperpigmentation and you're on the oral contraceptive, this may be one of the big factors for hyperpigmentation because we, you know, a lot of times we call the hyperpigmentation when it, it sort of gets a little bit of a mask-like pattern or a confluence, you know, a, a little like spread of hyperpigmentation. We often call that melasma, which is also called the mask of pregnancy. The oral contraceptive really mimics your body being pregnant. So you're getting, even the low estrogen pills, you're getting more estrogen than you would normally have. And some women respond to that with hyperpigmentation. Wow. So the first thing to do is to consider, are you being exposed to higher levels of estrogen? If you are and you feel that you need to stay on the contraceptive, then go right ahead and I'll, I'll give you some suggestions of what you can do. But if for any reason you can get off of it, that often that alone may clear you up. Now, what can you do? Okay, so there is a prescription drug with, which has fallen into great disfavor called hydroquinone. And that's prescription when it's at 3 or 4%. You can also get it over the counter at 2%. Why it's fallen into disfavor is because if you keep on using it, it can be a hormone disruptor. It can even do something as simple as giving you, giving you sort of a funny you to you. It can change the color of your skin so the you, the actual tone of your skin looks different. But using it for a short time, you know, under the direction of a physician, in other words, maybe twice a day for a month, sometimes will give you this huge jump start. Never should it be used continuously. So if you have a long-standing problem with hyperpigmentation, I really advise that you see a dermatologist and talk to them about some short-term use of the hydroquinone. That's not necessarily the starting point though especially if you notice that you're getting hyperpigmentation, even if it's just lasted for a year or two, I think one of the most successful treatments is a high-potency vitamin C. And that is great in two ways. It's a very good skin brightener, but it also is very photoprotective. It's actually shielding your skin from the sun, not as much from that HEV. So I would say also do the vitamin C and then an HEV protectant product. Uh, also, one thing I should have mentioned to you is 
I believe in putting a screen. You know, you can get a screen for your uh, for your computer that will block out HEV. Oh, I didn't yeah. even know yes. that. And on your phones, I happen to use the Apple iPhone. You can set it to the nighttime setting, which is a much lower HEV, much oh, lower blue light emission. So that's a good practical thing. That's a really good hack. Yes, yeah, it's yes. a great way to get around it. Yes. Okay, so... Okay, so say someone wants to brighten their skin. Aside from these things, how's retinol? Like, how do you feel about retinol? Right. So retinol, you know, the two most, what well, we use this term like peer-reviewed ingredients, meaning the two ingredients in skincare that have been studied at universities that, you know, where the study had nothing to do with a manufacturer paying for the study, right? The two most studied ingredients that exist are vitamin e, vitamin C and retinol. Retinol happens to really be a form of vitamin A. Uh-huh. Now, the difference between those two, they can both be very good for hyperpigmentation. But the difference is that vitamin C, besides brightening, also is photoprotective. Vitamin A, or the whole retinol family, could be a little photosensitizing. So really what... Uh, one way to approach this would be to do vitamin C in the morning and retinol at night. But you also have to uh, sort of know your own skin because both of those are potentially irritating products, right? Like even within our own line, we make a 20% vitamin C in the form of L-ascorbic acid. What I've found even with my own patients is sometimes they want to start and they want to just lather it on twice a day to start. Well, more is not necessarily better, right? So uh, I've gotten great results. I do clinical testing on our products and I've gotten amazing results with the brightening effects of vitamin C, but you never have our vitamin C, even which we call intense brightening, but you never want to use it to the point of irritation. And so, you know, so you just, I think one very important thing to understand with hyperpigmentation is the vitamin C is not that likely to irritate. Retinol can irritate though. That's something that's really sort of um, part and parcel of the whole retinoid family of products, partially because they're also exfoliators. And so when you're putting on retinol every single day, you're losing a lot of your dead cell layer. That's a nice thing because that alone can make your skin look more vibrant and even a, a brighter tone. But as you're losing your dead cell layer, your skin can get more dried out and more sensitive. So what I would say is that your best bet is to start slow. I think that if you're someone who's ever been uh, having a problem with sensitive skin, I'd start slowly just with vitamin C. If you're someone who's normal skinned, you very well may want to do vitamin C in the morning and retinol at night. If you're someone who is having a problem with hyperpigmentation, where a lot of it's coming from old breakouts, you know, mm-hmm, many mm-hmm. people who are prone to hyperpigmentation like are left scars. with a stain. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 
actually, I hate to use the word acne scars, although all of my patients use it because I always say a scar sort of means it's forever. Right. And if you've got a mark from old acne, we want to help you get rid of it. So don't think of it as a scar, but right, like the brown spots you get afterwards. So two things I'm going to tell you about that. Then retinol is going to be very good because not only can it help to brighten and really fade those brown spots, it also serves a great purpose in reducing new acne lesions. So that's why I favor the retinol. An interesting thing I have to tell you is that a lot of my patients are young college, high school and college students. And a number of them have come into me and I've said, you know, do you notice that, like I'll even sort of say to them, you know, one of their complaints is that they have what they call the acne scars, you know, they have this pigment after acne. And I'll say, you know, do you notice you mostly must use your cell phone on your left side or your left handed? And they'll say, you know, doctor, what are you talking about? I said, well, why don't you take out your cell phone? And they, you know, they'll, they'll put it on this side, whichever side. And then I'll say, well, don't you see? And then I'll take a picture of each, I like to do it on their phone, each side of their face and show them how much darker these spots are on the side where they put their cell phone up to their face. And that's because of this bad effect of the HEV, the screen light causing so much hyperpigmentation. And every once in a while, recently, a young man came in, 21 years old, and he said, oh my God, you know, I realized there was such a difference between the two sides. It was where I was using my cell phone and now I'm using buds and it's already starting to clear. So you've got to think about, you know, all of the things, it's not just a matter of using a particular skincare product. It's a matter of thinking of what is causing my problem, whether it's a hormonal thing like you're on the pill, whether it's that you're in front of the computer and you didn't think about getting the blue light screen, which I highly recommend you do. You know, all of this kind of thing. As little as you hold the cell phone up to your face, I'm very in favor of not holding the cell phone to your face, you know, if you're watching a podcast, uh, something that's more visual or just anything online, a video online, you know, keep that phone way away from you. Put on a little stand or something. Oh, my gosh. Well, this is, uh, like, incredible information. So aside from light, which we've discussed, you have, like, your whole philosophy yeah, so, is the four yes, factors yes. that so contribute to aging. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, in these 41 years now of examining patients, you know, a lot of times I do total body exams to see do they have any worrisome molds or anything like that. And it's really very um, startling, I'd have to say, that even in people who are well into their 90s, when I look at their skin that's been protected by clothing, so for instance, their lower backs, even in very advanced age, we see just about zero aging changes, visible aging changes. So we dermatologists have sort of long recognized that it's exposure to the elements that ages our skin, not chronologic aging. But we've coined this term, which was coined in 1980, we started to use the term sun damage. And we said, oh, you know, Really, all of the things we see, whether it's wrinkling, brown spots, sagging, it's all from the sun. As time went on, we said, well, you know, smokers have a lot more problems. They have deeper wrinkles. They have more age spots. So it's sort of from the sun and smoking, right? But we still are just really so hell-bent on blaming the sun. The truth is, in 1980, people were 
going out in the sun much more, and we didn't even have any broad-spectrum sunscreens in 1980. The sunscreen was just covering us from the UVB. Nowadays, lifestyles have changed. We don't spend as much time in the sun, and we have pretty adequate prote protection readily available with the broad-spectrum sunscreen. So I started the line to protect you from the four factors that really account for the 85% of these aging changes that we see only on skin that's exposed to the elements. And those four factors are light, like we just discussed, not just UV, but visible light. Next thing is pollution. So I'd like to talk for a couple of minutes about pollution. And I think you're gonna see in the skincare marketplace, many products say they're protecting you from pollution. But what I want you to remember about pollution is that you need to be thoroughly protected. So when we talk about things like greenhouse emissions, you know, and all of the climate change that we're seeing, that is almost exclusively from carbon emissions and carbon-free radicals. Believe it or not, every antioxidant that's available in the marketplace, except for one, only protects you from oxygen-free radicals. It doesn't do anything for carbon, or for that matter, for the nitrogen-free radicals that you get from the nicotine from smoking. So in our skincare line, we're using the one and only antioxidant that protects you from the carbon, nitrogen, and oxygen-free radicals, and it's 11 times stronger than any other antioxidant. Now, this is a synthetic antioxidant called lipochromin, and it was actually made for medical use, and to this day, it is used with some chemotherapy to protect patients from the bad effects of the free radical damage of chemotherapy. So uh, this will sort of be one way that we're approaching pollution in a very, we think, unique and more comprehensive way. Another thing that we do to appro approach pollution is that a product that we have called the Gentle Hydrating Cleanser. Mm -hmm. To give it a little plug, we we're very happy that recently Allure Magazine did an article, the 21 best face cleansers ever made, and we ranked at number three. That's amazing. Yes, yes, and so this is a very gentle cleanser. When you put it on, it has a base of chamomile and ginger root essential oils. It has very hydrating peptides, but it also has in it an ingredient called marine algin. And this ingredient is able to absorb pollution particles that are up to 30 times smaller than our pores. So we suggest that you put it on and leave it on almost like a little bit of a mask. So you put it on, rub it in, it's sulfate-free. It won't really suds up, but you know you can just massage it into your skin and then do a little uh, chore like brush your teeth, which we're told by the dentist should, we should spend at least two minutes brushing our teeth and then rinse it off. And uh, this is a very nice and unique way to really detox with your cleanser. And uh, you can see that I love to wear eyeliner. And this will also get off all your eye makeup. My waterproof mascara gets off from me. So I like that because I really want to detox my eyelids too. So that's sort of our approach to pollution. Uh, next thing is when we talk about climate, mm -hmm. because the four factors that are aging us, and there's a lot of research to show this, are number one, pollution. And I do want to mention too that pollution levels are higher indoors than out. Really? As we sit in this room with a rug, with some paint, these are all oh. emitting uh, some free radical damage. So yeah, 
uh, stovetop cooking. There's loads of sources of free radicals indoors. So uh, therefore, I think that we need to have pollution protection 24-7. Mm-hmm. So pollution, light, we talked about. The next thing, the, the four factors are pollution, light, climate issues, and last of all, irritating ingredients. So the climate issues, we're addressing that. And so all of our formulas are put together in a way to protect you from these factors. With the climate issues, we're addressing the carbon-free radicals with the use of the lipochromin. We're also addressing the fact that nowadays, almost all of our time is spent in climate-controlled environments. Mm And a big thing about climate control is not just that it keeps us cooler or warmer. It really is very uh, importantly keeping the humidity level comfortable. But in doing that, it actually tends to suck out the moisture from our skin. So people who live in cold climates often complain that the indoor heating is just drying them out even more. People who live in Miami Beach, as I do, with air conditioning running 24-7 are very aware of the fact that it dries out Mm -hmm. our skin. Mm -hmm. So for this, we use some bases of things like linoleic acid, glycolipids, which are the healthy oils that our skin has in childhood. But with puberty, we start to make another oil called sebum, and we lessen the amount of these healthy moisture trapping oils that we had pre-puberty. So we really emphasize this in our formulating. And then last of all that- Wait, before we get into that, just getting back to climate. So like, what about hot yoga? Like if I wanna go to hot yoga, how is that for my skin? Because obviously it's a completely different climate altogether. Yes, so I have never tried hot yoga. I am the mother of four, they're all in their 30s. A couple of them have tried it and do like it. I'm going to say the same thing to you about hot yoga that I say to patients even who just really work out a tremendous amount of time. Mm -hmm. I think that it's important to get your body temperature back to a good level afterwards and that it's very important. You know, you're sweating. uh, Theoretically, you're getting out toxins. I think if your body feels good, I'm not opposed to it. And I think for some people, it is good. For others, they've told me they don't feel good after a session, then don't keep it up. But what you should do is to really work at cooling off your body, not with ice water, but really with you know nice cold rehydration. I think it's super important, not just with what you're putting on your skin, but to really be drinking a lot of sort of like maybe a little room temperature water, then go to cooler. Also, generally speaking, I do not like hot showers at all. They're very dehydrating for the no skin. No way. Yeah, so wow, okay. with that too, afterwards, you're going to need to bathe a little. And you really want to get into a tepid, sort of like room temperature uh, shower or bath afterwards. Oh my gosh, Okay. Okay, and if someone does decide to have a hot shower, like what can they do to rehydrate their skin right away? Okay, so the first thing if you do love hot water is I'd like you to at least stay in it until your fingertips get all wrinkled up. When you see that the fingertips have wrinkled, that reflects the fact that you have so rehydrated that dead layer of skin 
that it, it can't even contain itself. You, you've like just put so much water back into your skin. Then come out, lightly pat dry, and then rub in some oil or something that's going to be really trapping in the moisture. I love, like that's a great, great tip. So when you're damp, basically just adding in the moisture. Yes, exactly. Okay, cool. And then let's get back to the fourth aging yes. factor, then irritating the fourth ingredients. Thing is irritating ingredients. So this, first thing I'll say about it is it is much more common than you would imagine. I so bet. in the American Academy of Dermatology, it's been concluded that 61%, so the majority of people that we see with facial skin complaints have their issues based at least in part on irritating ingredients that they're applying to their skin. So this is the first part of it, to understand how commonplace this is. The second thing that you should know, because you know, maybe you use something irritating and so you get dried out or you get red, but the second thing that, and that's obviously unpleasant, but how it also ties into the aging is that when our skin gets irritated, it sets off certain enzymes that end up breaking down our collagen and elastic <gasps> fibers faster. No. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's like a nightmare. Yeah, well, so I think that it's so important for your listeners to really understand that a couple of things. Number one, try to get to be a little bit of label readers because many products have things in them that will say ethyl alcohol, SD alcohol, and that is just plain old rubbing alcohol. Yes, and it's not good to have it in a Yeah, in a no kidding. Product. Next thing, and you'd be surprised that it's it's not that uncommon. Now there are other alcohols that are actually moisturizing, like cetyl alcohol and sterile alcohol are actually moisturizing. But if it says SD alcohol, denatured alcohol, ethyl alcohol, that's plain old rubbing alcohol. Don't use it on your facial skin, especially. <gasps> and, you know, then yesterday I was actually at one of our retailers and they had set up some appointments for customers to come to see me. And so a very nice woman came to me and she said, Oh, you know, I just happened to have bought some glycolic pads online. And I said, Well, you know, let's see what's in it. You see, what happens so much of the time with irritants is the irritants are not necessarily what are being marketed to you. So, of course, this woman in buying a, a pad with glycolic acid, that's potentially irritating the glycolic, but it has many, many benefits, right? It helps to exfoliate, mm -hmm. can help with pigment, it can help with acne. But what we did was we looked online at the ingredient deck, and there was a particular ingredient, and I said, you know, have you ever heard of it? The ingredient was acetone. And she said, acetone, she nail said, you know, polish. actually, exactly. She said, I always buy non-acetone nail polish remover. I said, but think about that. You don't want to put acetone on your nails, but you're putting nail polish remover on your face. It just like and dries so, you out, I guess. Yeah, it, and it can also make you red. It's, totally. It's an yeah. irritating thing. So I really do sort of encourage people to try to look at the ingredients. Um, and, and if it's something, you know, I'm not asking you to learn what's almost a new language. You right, know, when you look right, at of course. Decks. But if it's something where you're just wondering, you know, 
I will say I don't approve of acetone or alcohol in anything. Um, you know, I really don't like any uh, skincare product you use continuously that has the hydroquinone. Uh, we don't like certain preservatives, parabens, which there seems to be a link. We don't understand exactly the cause, but a link parabens with hormone issues and even with breast cancer. So I believe that you should stay paraben free. But uh, it's it's just super important. So we've really, really hand-selected the ingredients that go into these formulas, not just the active ingredients, which is what we're really speaking to when we describe our products, mm -hmm. but also the inactive ingredients, which are not really so inactive. Right. Oh, my gosh. This is really fascinating. So you. if you, like, if you could pres pres prescribe to just, like, everyone or like most people three must-have ingredients or like three must-have products from your line what would they be okay so well you know first I'm just going to talk about ingredients because I do want to sort of educate and yes. I really don't believe in just promoting my line so the first thing I want to say is I do really believe in peptides and so peptides are little pieces of protein that because there's such little molecules, they can really penetrate down into the living layer of skin. And they've been in the marketplace for a good, uh, really more than 30 years. And when they first started to come out with peptides, which are really all made within the laboratory, even if they're originally from a natural source, to get them to penetrate to the skin, they're sort of altered in the laboratory. But when they first came out, I felt that they did for the skin what hydrocortisone and all these cortisone creams can do for rashes. This is how active peptides can be. So I think that you should look for products. And, and the good thing about the peptides is that they all have it in their name. So you're going to know if, if you've got a peptide. So look at what you have at home and see, do you have at least one product that has peptides? Next what, thing, what are the kind of peptides that, peptides that we should be looking out for? Like, do you have any specifics? That well, really okay, like? so basically most of them are going to say something like, there's many different names and there's, there's literally thousands of them, but look for things that say like tetrapeptide, pentapeptide, hexapeptide. That means that they have, that's the, the size of them, right? And so if they are anything bigger than that, they're not going to penetrate. But that's, and, and really there are thousands and, you know, we use a lot of them in our skincare, but, uh, you know, you may already have something at home. If it doesn't have alcohol or acetone or whatever, and you see it's got some peptides, just go for it. Okay, and, that's, and what does it do specifically for the skin? Okay, so they have a whole range of things that they do, from skin tightening to really jump-starting better collagen and elastin manufacturer synthesis. We sometimes say they just support collagens. They're very good for anti-wrinkle. There are eye peptides that we use in our eye product, which we're happy one, the Allure Best of Beauty for an eye product. Amazing. And uh, the, some of the peptides we use there, one of them even influences how much blood leaks out underneath our eyes so that we look less purple when we put this on, you know, the discoloration and all of that. So I love peptides. I love antioxidants, and in that group does include vitamin C, retinol, and then, of course, my most beloved antioxidant is the one that we use so much of called lipochromin, but what we use also retinol and vitamin C. I think that 
those are such proven ingredients. Mm -hmm. And I think that at least one of those should be part of your daily routine, morning and night. And then I would say that um, the third thing that I really do believe in is a very good cleanser that I really believe in the necessity to be detoxing our skin. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned, you know, indoor pollution is even worse than outdoor pollution, and pollution levels are so much on the rise. I think that they account, pollution accounts for even a lot of internal diseases, for sure pulmonary disease and, and all of this. And so our skin is right at the surface. It's really the interface of ourselves and the environment. So I believe in daily cleansing, morning and night. Uh, I think that our gentle hydrating cleanser, which, you know, we tried to price everything at a very reasonable amount. So it's $35. It will last you at a minimum for four months. And uh, to just put that on almost like a mask morning and night is, is really, I think, super important. And then, of course, our eye product. We're super proud of that. And that protects you from the HEV light. It helps with crow's feet and, and uh, puffiness and all. And then the third product that I highly recommend from our line is called our Intense Replenishing Serum. These three products are for every skin type known to man. The Intense Replenishing Serum has the glycolipids, the linoleic acid. So those are those healthy oils that you had in a plentiful amount when you were a little baby. So it's sort of instantly, it's, it feels like an oily serum, so it's instantly going to give you back this silky smooth texture and increase your luminosity. But it's also got a plentiful amount of the lipochromin antioxidant. So uh, I, I can't live without it myself. And yeah. it's actually something that is is uh, really wonderful for everyone. So speaking of oils, how do you feel about putting oils on your face like even um things like squalane oil or you know like right. the, the yes. rose hip oil things like yes. that how do yes. you feel about that so i think there's a, sort of also a, a little bit of a difference between let's say the things you just mentioned like squalene which squalene you know one big source of it now it used to be cod liver oil mm -hmm. was a squalene but they've sort of gotten away from that because it's animal source mm -hmm. So now you'll see most of the squalene products will say olive derived, and it's really olive oil. That's really what it is. Mm. And being 100% mm. Italian, I am a believer in olive oil, even dietary, very important. I think that uh, you can get squalene, or you can also, uh, yeah, I like it. It has a very nice price point. The truth is, though, you can also put some olive oil on your skin and uh, sleep in it. And, you know, that is a great, super cost-effective way to trap in moisture. Uh, so I think that squilling is helpful to trap in moisture. These things we just mentioned, the glycolipids and the linoleic and linolenic acid, are better at trapping in moisture. But, you know, I believe that uh, you're never too young to start. Maybe you are in high school or you're in college and, you know, you're living on school loans. Think about sleeping in squalene or olive oil. I, I'm a believer in it. Um, so then, though, there's another class of oils, which are essential oils. And chemically speaking, they're not exactly oils, believe it or not. Now, we use them a lot in our products because we use no artificial fragrance. But the thing about essential oils is they need to be used in very minute 
amounts. And one trend that I'm starting to see is facial skin care where they're uh, incorporating the essential oil in a high amount, three or four percent. And I'm here to tell you as a dermatologist that you really need it to be way under one percent. You'll get some benefit. You'll certainly get an aromatherapy benefit out of it and you won't have a problem with sensitizing the skin. So the essential oils, I love them. Uh, we have in our sunscreen lavender and uh, vanilla essential oil from Madagascar. I love the use of them, but you have to be careful, I think, um, not to have a problem. And if you do get a product that has a lot of essential oil and it's marketed that way as basically an essential oil product, also be sure to read the label because a lot of times that they're boosting them with artificial fragrance, mm. and I hate artificial fragrance. So just become sort of as much of an informed consumer as you can be. Love it. And if you had to give someone one anti-aging tip, like your best one, what would it be? I think to be somewhat of a minimalist. Right now, what I'm seeing in the marketplace is that people are putting a lot of product on their face. And so it's more common in my own practice to have women come in. We always ask them, please bring in your products. It's more common that they're coming in with seven or eight products than just two or three or four. And I think that that causes a tremendous amount of irritation and all of this. So, you know, that's sort of, believe it or not, the first thing. It may sound funny coming from someone who has a skincare line, but I really do think that you've got to be super careful and, and to, to really sort of like, um, also I, I'd say to everyone, don't be spending too much time looking in a 10 times magnifier. Sometimes we are chasing things and trying to get rid of things that other people don't even see. And that can lead us to more problems of using products that are breaking out our skin, irritating us, making us red, pigmenting us. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Loretta. Tell everyone where they can find you, Instagram, website, all that yes, kind of stuff. Yes, thank you. So our website is drloretta.com. Instagram is the same at, uh, at Dr. Loretta. Facebook, Dr. Loretta. And we're uh, blessed in uh, the States to be in uh, 17 Nordstrom, some uh, Neiman Marcus. We're in a few spots in Vancouver, in Canada, Fig Facial, and a few others that we love. And hopefully there'll just be a lot more to come. But we try to be educational on our website, too. So sign up for our email, too, so at drloretta.com. Amazing. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. Thank you.